Northern Brewer is the proud sponsor of the Brewing Network's Jamil Show. They have the widest selection of domestic and imported malts and grain, hops from all over the world, and a full line of liquid and dry yeast. No matter what style of beer you're brewing, Northern Brewer has the ingredients you need, plus fast shipping and expert staff to help you make the best beer possible. Please visit northernbrewer.com for all things homebrew. All homebrewers have a favorite commercial beer, but not everyone can make it. Welcome to the show that teaches you how, where you can challenge two masters, Jamil Zainashef and Tasty McDole. This is the Jamil Show. Can you brew it? Now here's Jamil. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Hi, everybody. I'm here. You're here? I bet you everybody's busy brewing beer today instead of listening to us. I'm just thinking. It's what a great It's a great day to make beer. It's nice and cool in well, most you know, parts of the world. Get some speakers the out there next to your, your brew system. Well, there you go. A lot of people do that. You know, they listen to the shows while they, uh, yeah. while they brew. They are <laughs> brewing strong for sure. That's another show, of course. <laughs> they are. Yes. Yeah. Today. That's a great show, as yes. a matter of fact. Absolutely fantastic show. Much better show than this one. Yes. You know, this one's this one's kind of weak. But, you know, what are you going to do? we got to do it anyways, you know, because uh, it's paid for. That's how we make our keep here. <laughs> That's how we make our keep. Yeah. We, you know, tote that rock, push that <laughs> pile. A lot of heavy lifting. <laughs> A lot of heavy lifting around here. Oh, yeah. What? <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> We're, we're, we're off the rails already. We just show up here it, and start talking, pretty much. I don't right? Yeah, we're we're off the rails already. It only only took like two minutes and twenty five seconds for it to to go off the rails. Which is why Northern Brewer sponsors us. Speaking of all these people brewing, they're going to have to get ingredients. I'm thinking. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Nice, nice segue. Yeah, Tasty's always got these. I yeah. tell you, I should just wait for you to throw me the softball. I, I know. I was ready. You went in too quick. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, and then I, I can just uh, knock it out of the park. Yeah, Northern Brewer, northernbrewer.com. These great guys of uh, guys and gals have been uh, sponsoring us uh, since the inception of the show, and. Uh, uh, their generosity knows no bounds, and they're generous too in their uh, pricing and their products and product selection and their shipping, customer service. Yeah. yeah, good, good products, uh, all fresh and uh, ready to ship to you to to brew your own uh, versions of these candy brewed beers. So uh, give them some love. Uh, check out their site northernbrewer.com, and uh, you know send them a, a nice email. Tell them you appreciate they uh, support the show and have paid for this, so you don't have to. Uh, very nice of them, and uh, if you appreciate it, make sure you let them know either by uh, just uh, contacting them or um, you know buying something. That's always yeah. appreciated. Buying something, paying the money, the bucks. Yep, it makes the whole thing work. <laughs> That's why they're sponsoring us. That's why we're sponsors. Well, and we also have the very lovely Andy Wood in the studio, and oh, and, oh, and I mean Kim Wood in the studio, and uh, Andy Wood in the studio. Thank you. <laughs> Yes. Um, nice nice of you guys to join us. Actually, uh, Kim is one of our newest master brewers for the uh, the program. Yay, me! Oh, and, and we have Chad, but he doesn't have a microphone, so it's all right. Your Let's beard looks there. great, though, Chad. Thank you. He's getting getting the brewer's beard. He's getting ready to do it. This is, this is the rally beard for uh, rally. brewing at EJ. So the rally monkey. 
Rowley beard. <laughs> you bring up a good point, though, Jay-Z, with the brewer's beard. Uh, uh, you might have to get one going yourself here soon. I've got one. It's much lower now. <laughs> oh, I saw the evil I'm twin not, outfit. I'm not shaved like everybody else. Yeah. Right here. <laughs> I see. I'm full on <laughs> jungle growth down there. <laughs> Kim, Kim's shaking her head in, in agreement. I'm like, you know, put a, approval. Like buckwheat in the headlock. That's that's what it looks like. Yeah, no. I wonder if one Except of our sponsors gray. might have a styling product that could help you with that. Yeah. Yeah. We have a real product spokesperson here today, I think. We'll get well, we you can, on later on about that, Kim. Get to that, yeah. 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 Um, all right, so what's... Uh, what's our challenge for today, Justin? All it's, right. It's staying on topic? Is that our challenge? Yeah, that is our challenge. Uh, but one of our Australian listeners wrote in for this one, and hey, he writes like a real gentleman, so he might be one of our more polite listeners we have, too. Uh, well, yeah. Not many. Love not, the show. Not American, obviously. <laughs> it's Paul Dunning, and he wrote in, I love the show and recently purchased your book, Brewing Classic Styles, Jay-Z. Uh, excellent reference. Um, look forward to making many of the recipes. He wants to know, have you tried Meantime IPA? It's hard to get here in Brisbane, Australia, and quite expensive. I quite like it, and wonder if you would consider cloning it on your show. Considered <laughs> and done. Paul, thank you for writing in. Uh, you know, uh, that uh, falls to our uh, our foreign correspondent, uh, Neil Spake. He's uh, out of Texas, but uh, he does all our uh, Great Britain interviews and uh, does an excellent job of them, I, I must say. It's great having him able to do that. That's good. Right. Having somebody who can actually do a decent interview well, instead, no, of, no. instead of me. Is that what you're saying? Huh? 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 <laughs> no, you do a good job. <laughs> but it's nice having the variety, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Variety is the spice of life, yeah. as they say. And it's also the spice of the Brewing Network. <laughs> that wasn't bad. That was okay. I thought it was Star <laughs> Anis. Star Anis. We can cut that out, right? All right, so uh, let's do this. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to hear from Neil and uh, Steve in Meantime about uh, brewing Meantime IPA. Back after this. Hi. My roommate's gone for the weekend, and I'm wearing something flimsy. Listen, baby. I told you not to call me after 8. I gotta go. Who is that? Your girlfriend? Set up, Doug. Did you guys get the cauldron set up on the altar of my yard? If you weren't so busy getting booty calls, you'd know that. All right, I'm using the scroll of Mosher to boil the first decoction. You took too long. The color is now dark and past the point where you can still call it a pilsner. Yes, I hate it when Greg's the brewmaster. What's this? Poindexter Urkel? Dude, can't you see we're in the middle of a brew session? Is that an actual beer? Yeah, I crafted it. I don't really use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. (gasps) Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Do you belch White Labs 833 and crap Simcoe? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the Cylon Detecting Three-Hearted Ale and the collector's item Super Alt. Mine's in mint condition because it's still in the box. Make 10th level at northernbrewer.com. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the homebrewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your homebrew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. 
John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read your way to better homebrew. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah, mother... White Labs. It's all in the vial. Whether I'm making me dry stout or rebuilding me kegs, I head to the heart of dear Dublin for me homebrewing supplies. You head all the way back to Emerald Isle just for a wee batch of grain or a bit of keg tubing? No, you moronic waste to deliver. Dublin, California. I go to HopTech. For 30 years, HopTech in Dublin, California has been supplying homebrewers with malt extract, fresh grains, hops, spices and sugars, hop oils and extracts, and much more. HopTech is one of the first homebrew supply shops on the internet and is proud to offer a Award-winning beer kits, both online and in their store. Mention the BN Army for a 10% discount off your order. The store is open every day except Wednesday or shop online at hoptech.com anytime. Hoptech is run by passionate, award-winning brewers who live, love, and travel for beer and bring their experience to the store for you. If you don't want to visit Dublin, just call toll-free 800-DRY-HOPS or go to hoptech.com. Visit Hoptech today in Dublin, California and at hoptech.com. You're listening to the Brewing Network. This is Neil Spake for the Brewing Network and the Jamil Show, and I have on the phone with me right now uh, Steve Smith from Meantime Brewery in London. How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing great. How are you? Not too bad at all. Uh, obviously, to our listeners, they'll realize that you uh, have an American accent, if there is such a thing. <laughs> I sound perfectly normal to me. <laughs> yes, exactly. So... Uh, that makes things a little interesting. When and how did you come to brew at Meantime in London? Um, well, it, it was kind of a serendipitous kind of situation. Um, I actually moved over here. From, I used to brew in the States, and then I moved over here and uh, with my wife, followed my wife's career, actually, and ended up getting here last, oh, I say about end of August, um, so only last year. And right around the turn of the year, right around February, um, I got active in the IBD, have been an IBD member, which used to be the IOB. I don't know if you know the history of all the that beer organization. Um, it's kind of been alphabet soup for the last 10 years, um, which used to be the Institute of Brewing. Now it's the um, Institute of Brewing and Distilling. And through that, I got active again and bumped into quite a few beer writers and people and the biz and all that kind of stuff. And apparently my name got back to Alistair Hook, 
at Meantime Brewing, the founder of the brewery and brewmaster. And it uh, just so happened that his head brewer was going to be leaving. And I happened to be the right guy in the right place, and they're getting ready to expand, uh, build a new brew house. And my previous brewing experience kind of fit perfectly for what they needed to do and move forward. So next thing I know, I was brewing in in England. <laughs> wow, that's so, awesome. That's, that's yeah. really cool. Right place at the right time, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was great. And, and Alistair is a, a big fan of American beers, so he, uh, in the American craft brewing scene, so he, he was you know, happy to bring somebody on that uh, had the enthusiasm and, and uh, you know, kind of the creativity that, that the American brewing scene's been. So it uh, worked out really well. <laughs> right, so your background yourself, uh, I think you mentioned to me at one time you were a home brewer. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I was. Uh, I used to be a mechanical engineer, and during my college years, uh, one of my best friends and I used to save up our pennies, basically, you know, and shake the couch to see what we could come up with for extra beer spending money. And uh, we were very, very um, dissatisfied with the boring lagers at the time. So we were trying anything that had any flavor to it and difference from that, and. Um, that kind of led to questions of why is this beer dark? You know, why why does this beer taste like this? Uh, why does this beer smell this way? And uh, I kind of been one of those guys that takes everything apart since a kid. <laughs> so well, you're an engineer, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, to the demise of my my parents' alarm clocks as children when I was a kid. You know, <laughs> right. Um, but uh, all that being said, uh, I, I figured I better tried learning how to homebrew once I discovered that you you could do it at home and uh, it turned into an obsession and um, by the time I graduated I, I probably was spending as much time at um, at home trying to make better beer than I did at uh, at my work as a mechanical engineer <laughs> so sounds uh, very familiar I'm an electrical engineer myself so yeah it was I know great. where you're coming from yeah, no, no, no. It, it worked out well, and and then uh, another twist of fate. My um, young engineer at a nuke power facility um, ended up uh, getting laid off, and I ended up finding a pub that was getting ready to open up in upstate New York, and convinced them that they really needed to hire me on as an assistant brewer so I could learn more about brewing. And, uh, that uh, Empire Brewing Company is the one that did that. That was my first real brewing scene. And um, it kind of went from there. <laughs> so, yeah, that and was. So, currently, uh, Meantime has two facilities, right? In London, you have a major production facility, which I assume is where you are. Yes, exactly. Um, we've got the production brewery, which is in Greenwich. We just moved. We used to be on the very outskirts of Greenwich, and um, we outgrew that one. So we built uh, the new brewery, which we literally have only been brewing, you know, full-time brewing, playing catch-up, actually, for the last two months, um, in all honesty. So we, we're really fresh, fresh with this new brew house. So we're still working out the bugs. <laughs> right. And then the other place is a historical uh, yeah. old brewery at the Royal Naval College. Is that correct? Exactly, exactly. It's um, it's it's a brew pub, um, and that, that's exactly what it is. It used to be a brewery, um, apparently, 
oh, I think about 100 years ago, 150 years ago, for the Royal, for the Navy. Um, and so it supplied beer for all the sailors and, and, uh, and the, you know, right there at the Royal Naval College. So it, it's, it's a neat old building. It's cool. The cellars are, are uh, very cramped, but uh, you can imagine um, big, you know, big wooden bats sitting down there percolating away. So right. it's pretty cool. So now we have stainless steel bats in place. <laughs> yeah, I also read recently that the new brewery, you had Rolex from Bavaria manufacture yes. the plant. Is that correct? That is correct. And, uh, very, very happy with that. They've um, done breweries, I guess, plants here uh, for Stone and Victory and Brooklyn and some of the others. Yeah, uh, Lagunitas also. Um, and they're in the process of building one for Brooklyn right now. So, so yeah, um, I can attest to the fact that it's a really well-built brew house. I'm very impressed with what it can do. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's doing everything I asked it, you know, I could have asked for it to do. So that's good. Right. Okay, so to the purposes of our, our phone call, uh, here in the States, at least, uh, the most readily available of your beers are the uh, India Pale Ale and the uh, London Porter. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you're willing, I'm going to ask you about the uh, India Pale Ale. Sure. Um, it's one of my favorites, by the way. I absolutely love it, and I'm really glad that I can get it here in Texas. It, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting beer because it really is a it, it's essentially um, a historical kind of beer. I mean, the whole point of that beer is to preserve the original. Um, IPAs and what they, how they were made, you know, and, and as true as possible under modern conditions, you know, as far as ingredients and stuff. Um, really, really try to duplicate it w- without, of course, the, the voyage all the way to India. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a neat beer. It's fun to make. Um, so, how would you contrast an English historical pale ale, India pale ale, against uh, what we use here in America? Well, I think the biggest difference to me um, really is obviously the ingredients are very different. I mean, in American pale ale, you know, I mean, just uh, the hop difference is just huge um, because this one uses, you know, all fuggle and um, East Kent Golding. So it, it really has that, that English hop thing going in it, which, you know, they're relatively subtle hops, um, especially because we use mostly whole leaf in it. and. Right. Or big portion of whole leaf in it, and that uh, you find that the whole leaf is unique in the, the traditional way of growing English hops. Um, still has seeds in them, which is very different from what you would find anywhere else in the world. World, and that I, I find it adds part of I don't know if you, I get an earthiness out of a lot of the English hops. That's exactly what would come to mind for me too. Yeah, yeah, and I think a big part of that is coming from the, the seed content. I mean, because there's a fair amount of seeds, and as a matter of fact, our brew house, we have intentionally had it built um, with a special extra-large um, trap right before the heat exchanger to um, collect some of the, the seeds that get through from our hot back. So, it, uh, and they do get through. Wow. <laughs> and, yeah, I was very, very glad that we made that choice, because if we didn't, I think we would be hating ourselves right now. <laughs> so, okay. You know, so, some of the specifics... If you're, um, if you're willing to yeah. divulge it with us, the starting oh, yeah. gravity? Yep, starting gravity, we it's just under 17 Play-Doh, so it's 16.8, so it's a pretty big one. 
Um, and it finishes out at right around three. So about three Play-Doh. I do everything Play-Doh. I hope that's not uh, bad for you guys. Uh, no, so what, whatever works for you, we can we can convert. Uh, yeah, um, as a matter of fact, I actually have my my brew sheet in front of me, and I did the conversion on it. So let's see: uh, original gravity ten sixty nine. And um, the terminal usually comes in around ten twelve, so very dry, you know, considering. And what's and, your normal batch size? Um, now it's a hundred hectoliters. Um, okay. Previously, we, our normal batch size was around twenty five, so we kind of quadrupled brew house size. So. And do you know what the color of this beer is? Yeah, yeah, the color generally comes in right around nine or ten. Um, so, and that's EDC. Say, yes, yes. So, okay. And how about the bitterness? The IBUs. The BUs on this, we target for seventy-five. Okay. Yeah, and it, it usually gets right in that range. It, it, you know, because we use whole leaf hops, and even with the alpha on them, it does kind of bounce around a little bit. But we can get it pretty darn close to seventy-five. Okay. So I, you know, that's one of those ones where it, it really kind of, if I can keep it within five BUs, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> right, yeah. So uh, the the grist or the grain bill for this, mm-hmm. um, pounds or percentages, whatever works for you, if you're willing to give us uh, percentages. Percentage because that probably works the easiest, you know, seems for anybody to, that wants for, to brew up, yeah. Um, it's primarily it's just a, a blended um, pale ale malt from Baird's, so it's like eighty four percent of pale ale, um, and it's just a, a standard um, pale ale malt. It's got a portion of Maris Otter, it's got a portion of Tipple, um, and sometimes whatever else they they need to throw in. To be honest with you. Um, it always has to have the portion of the, the Maris Otter, though. We used to do 100% Maris Otter on this one, but the Maris Otter character was, was almost becoming overpowering. And uh, it, we kind of backed it down. And then I think Alistair also found out that traditionally it would have been probably blended to most of the breweries in London originally anyway. They would have just gotten what malt they could get from whoever. <laughs> right. Yeah, so it, it, it probably is more accurate to have it as a blend um, which is what we do anyway okay and then and then Munich um, a Munich style malt and the only reason we do the Munich style malt on this is because uh, historically and this is an English Munich so it is different than what you would traditionally think of as a um, like a North American or a Germanic Munich malt because um, it, it actually kind of see it, if you look at it spec wise and you know how they actually malt it it, it's more like a light brown malt, so it's almost like a lightly toasted malt. So it gives you the the bready kind of characteristics, um, and that that is right around yeah, it's right around nine percent. And then um, I didn't add these up to find out they all go to hundred, so <laughs> we'll have to double check at the end. Oh, actually, they do. I'm just looking. Yeah, they do. Okay, and then uh, and then we use some um, English Pale Crystal. And just a little bit, like 1%, so it's just a very small amount, mostly for color. Obviously, it's not adding a lot to the body or anything. And uh, and that one, as far as color goes, is, um, I'll give you a, a love of bond, it's right around 25. So okay. it's uh, Thomas Fawcett is who I use for that. Um, 
and I really I like the Thomas Fawcett Pale Crystal. It's a, for me it's it's, it's a wonderfully beautiful malt. Um, and then uh, one part that might surprise a few people is we actually use sugar in this. Um, it's a small portion. It's like 6% of the whole thing. But we do use sugar in it because Ali um, found out, you know, with, with looking back, that traditionally they did boost it up with sugar um, because I guess they their mash tons got to a point where they just couldn't fit any more in for these things. <laughs> right, so they needed some extra... Exactly. Gravity. So it's with, with sugar, and we used uh, right around 6%. So is that a, like an invert sugar? It's just a standard invert sugar. Okay. Yeah, yeah nothing nothing special. And if you don't mind my asking, where, for, who, what supplier do you get the Munich malt from? Uh, we get that from our, our same base malt supplier, which is uh, Baird's. So you Baird. Okay, great. Yeah, so it's all it's all English stuff. In fact, even the sugar's English. <laughs> In fact, the, the sugar comes from um, a the, the sugar plant happens to be about four, not even maybe three miles away from the brewery. <laughs> so, wow! Yeah, all the ingredients, if you really, when you get down to it, are all coming from within within hundred miles of the brewery. So, so it's kind of kind of cool that way. Right. Okay. The uh, mash procedure on this. Do you do any water treatment? We do a little bit. Um, we use London, about 25% of our water is is actually just uh, carbon-filtered municipal Thames Valley um, water. Um, so it's it's London water. And But I, do, I cut it down by using RO for the other 75%. So it's the, the profile of it. It brings it down to a point where it's more manageable for the brewery to be honest with you and then i boosted back up for for calcium using um calcium sulfate or gypsum and i shoot for a target of right around 70 um for calcium so it, it gives you what you need for it and um but not too much because the the waters in london isn't like burden water. It doesn't have a whole bunch of sulfate in it, so you don't get that that what most people would think of as a, a burden snatch kind of thing going on. Um, it's very high in calcium um, carbonate, though, and, and, and a fair amount of calcium chloride. Actually, calcium chloride's really high. Wow. Um, so it's it's a, it's an interesting profile. It, it's <laughs> that's why we cut it down. To be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, it's understandable. And it's a single temperature infusion type it actually, mash, or it, it is. Um, although we modify it for mashing off. So what we do is we, we it's a really low mash mash in sixty two C is what we mash it in at, and we just hold it there, and uh, and it's it's only held there for thirty minutes, and then we slowly ramp it up to a mash out um, of seventy seven. So. And that's it. And now I say slowly. I mean, it takes like 30 minutes to bring it up to that. So it's a kind of like a, almost like a ramped up. Um, so it's not, I guess, a traditional in, infusion style mash, which is, I guess, <laughs> deviating from the historical a little bit. Um, and now I'm actually, to be honest with you, thinking of switching it back to you know, 100% only um, infusion mash. So with the new brew house, I'm kind of revising some of our, our thoughts. But the, the current recipe is starts at 62. Okay. And over 30, and then slowly wrapped up to 77. 
and then and then mash and then set over to the lauder tongue. Okay, and then you sparge at what temperature? Uh, we sparge at, at 77, so right there. We and keep a cold sparge. How long does that the sparge process typically take you? Um, to run it off the full full batch size into the kettle. Uh, the full batch takes just under two hours. Two hours, okay. Yeah. All right, and the boil time? Boil time is seventy-five minutes. Seventy-five minutes, okay. And yep. you mentioned the hops that you used before. Um, yep. Can you can you give us the quantity and schedule? Yeah, of those hop additions. Okay. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, let's see. We we do. I, it's all Golding and Fuggle. Um, and then it's it's a, I use Type ninety pellets for the bittering, and that goes in right at the, the very start of the boil. So actually, we put that in first runnings. To be honest with you, we we put them into the kettle as we're running into the kettle. So their first runnings hop. Okay. And um, and proportion. See if I've got that in a in a way that would make easily translatable. Um, as does oh boy, I'm gonna new poor guys. I I should have done a translation into U.S. gallons. I apologize for this. Um, if I give you grams per hectoliter, will that help people out and do the conversion? Is that I all right? Think, yeah, I think that'd be fine. We'll get it uh-huh. figured out. So it's it's basically equal parts, more or less, of Golding and Fuggle and for a first running hop as it's you know as you're filling the kettle, and it's just over eighty grams per hectoliter. So it's not much of each. So you're talking you know about. It's about 81. It depends. That fluctuates a little bit because I play, you know, it depends on the uh, the alpha, to be honest with you. But but currently, the alphas that we've got are about 5.1 on the Golding and about 4.7 on the Fuggle. So with that ratio, it's, if you run with an equal, that's it, about the same because I'm only difference of about 81 grams per hectoliter on the Golding and about 88 uh, grams per hectoliter on the fuggle. Okay, great. And then for your flavor or aroma hops? Flavor, what we do is there's no more hop addition until we get to about five minutes before the end of the boil. Okay. And so it's kind of a kind of a pre-whirlpool, not really a whirlpool addition. And and that goes in, and this is a, a still type 90 pellets at this point, and once again, it's uh, golding and fuggle. And this one, it's boosted up a bit from the last. So now we're talking about about 130 grams per hectoliter um, on the Golding, and the Fuggle is about 140 grams per hectoliter. Okay, and then earlier you mentioned a, a hop back. Yeah, we have um, one of the things that Rolex does um, is they make this, it's, it's kind of, I kind of like the newfangled hop back. They call it a hop mix is the the, the trade name for it. Um, but essentially, what it is is it, it's a it's a hop back, and you can use it any point during the boil and or, and or running off. Um, so it's kind of neat because you can recirculate back into your kettle. So you could use it for bittering hops. You could use it for a whirlpool hop addition, um, a bunch of things. So it's got some nice flexibility to it. Um, so we use that um, for our last edition, and that goes in on cooling actually. So we use it as a true hop back, um, and that we use all whole leaf hops on. And in this case, it's uh, about about ninety five 
uh, grams per hectoliter of each golding and fuggal again. So you can see uh, the, the whole kind of idea is to, to get equal parts of the golding and fuggal from all of the additions. Right. And, and uh, the reasoning for that is that um, the golding kind of brings the, the more floral notes to it and also uh, I like to think it comes across as like an orange peel kind of aroma it's it's citrusy but it's not like an American citrusy at all right and it's it's less of the earthiness whereby the fuggle is very earthy and um, I kind of we want to make sure that those are balancing out so that you get a bit of both of them in there um, okay. and then that uh, the, the cooling you know our hop back is it's it's one part of that that I might increase, but be honest with you, we're picking up so much bitterness at the end of this. Um, just like uh, Matt Brindelson, because Matt and I were, were talking when I was still brewing in the States. He and I have kind of chatted a few times on things. And uh, and then I've always been a big fan of Whirlpool editions, to be honest with you. Right. And playing with this thing, this uh, Hopnik, is really fun. But this is the most surprising thing. Remind, let me remind you that we just got this thing brewing, started brewing with it three three months ago. Right. So it's a, a bit of a learning process. But this most surprising thing was the utilization we were getting off the hop back was uh, unbelievable. I mean, I'm talking in excess of 20%. So, I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's really, that's not intuitive at all. No, it's not. And uh, I remember the first test brew I did with it, uh, when we were just, you know, trying to get used to the brew house. And I think I overshot by about 20 BUs. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, you know, I put in a bunch of whole leaf and you know, I kind of, I, I was factoring, you know, well, it's going to pick up more than normal because I'm used to, you know, Whirlpool edition and and then all of a sudden it went into the tank and I, we, we had just bought a spectrometer um, a couple months after I started because I wanted to you know get to know our beers really well statistically and you know and through the lab um, so that when we made the transition into the brew house I would have a good idea where to begin and I basically just blew it out of the water wow. <laughs> so it was amazing and uh so that's another reason why you'll see uh, for us on the IPA, it really kind of restricted how much bittering hops you can put in it. Quite yeah. honest. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it, it's been uh, it's been fun, but um, I have to say the aroma does come through nicely using it. So um, I'm all for it. <laughs> right. So then it's on to fermentation. I assume you use like standard conical type fermenters, or are they we- open? No, they're not open. They're, we use standical, um, standard, you know, cylindrical conical fermenters, um, but we do transfer. So we we actually have a two-stage type of uh, fermentation where we go through primary in a regular, you know, what we call an FV or you know, standard cylindrical conical, so that we can harvest yeast off of it and such. But as soon as it's down and through primary. Then we transfer it over for some maturation in just a dish bottom, um, you know, we call them MVs, maturation vessels, and uh, it finishes out in there. And that's also where we'll do dry hopping. Okay. So, so the primary, what temperature do you ferment at, and typically how long does a batch take? 
Okay, um, for the IPA, the IPA can actually rip. I mean, you can tell by, you know, the mash profile that it's a very, and especially with the sugars in there, too, it's a very fermentable, you know, mash. Exactly. And it, it flies. And uh, it used to be, the old temperature, believe it or not, was a really warm 24. And the reasoning for that is because they didn't really have ways of cooling the beer 150 years ago, so they almost would get out of control as it was. Yeah. And so that, you know, Allie really wanted to try to, in a lot of ways, get some of those characters through. So that the idea being that what you're smelling and tasting should be somewhat similar to what would have been back then, you know, minus infections. <laughs> yeah. um, it would have been, you know, the same, a similar IPA produced 150 years ago. And uh, so he lets it come up. You know, we let it come up. Now, I say that, and now I'm actually going to tune it down a bit because the fermentations have just been going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm bringing it down to 22 now. So the, the recipe as of last week is now modified to 22, <laughs> okay. which is still warm, but it's not 24. <laughs> right, Exactly. And then when you move it on to what the, I guess I would call it a conditioning tank, do you drop the yeah. temperature there? Um, actually, when once it moves over to that, we let it do a few days um, at like 7 degrees and just to cool it down. Uh, but we let it finish out. So the beer has, hits terminal. We let it ride at terminal for at least two days before we even transfer it. So it, we want to make sure that obviously there's not a diacetyl issue and all that kind of thing. Um, and that keeps that knocked down. And then we transfer and chill it, leave it for about, you know, seven or so, allows dry hopping, and then, then we'll chill it right down to, to zero, you know, one, and um, condition that for about a week at that, and let it sit on the hops, and then filter it. <laughs> okay. So, and we what, filter what, a portion. Yeah, go ahead. We only filter a portion because what we do is we, we filter it as a coarse filter because it's a bottle-conditioned beer. So we coarse filter it, and then we um, re-hit it with yeast and a little bit of a croisoning, and, and then that goes to the bottle that way. So. Okay. And the, the dry hop, did you use the same type of mix of the two? Once again, or? it's the 50-50 blend between the two. And right now, um, it's oh geez, uh, it's pretty straightforward actually. It's point one, so it's a hundred grams per hectoliter of each. Okay, great. So, really appreciate your your infinite detail here. It's, <laughs> I'm sorry, it I'm, helps I'm, a lot. I can sometimes be a, a little anal retentive about the numbers. <laughs> no, I think I think most of us are. <laughs> so, what about the yeast strain? Where does it come from? The yeast strain is actually a Nottingham strain, which is, you know, a traditional kind of workhorse of a lot of English brewers. And um, it's just a, it's basically a, a standard um, English ale strain. It's it's a, not a big diacetyl producer, which is kind of nice. Super flocculent, fairly attentive for an English strain. Uh, actually, very attentive for an English strain. And... Um, and relatively clean. The only thing you got to be careful with it that I find is it does produce a whole bunch of esters when you ferment it warm, i.e. this this IPA. And you, you can definitely get that. I mean, I'm sure, you know, if you're familiar with the, with the IPA, you know it's got all kinds of, of both 
alcoholic notes to it and um, esters going on and that's it's due to that fermentation temperature and it's also just uh, that yeast when it gets pushed hard um, to higher gravities it, it tends to react that way so it does make it very different from what you would think in most American style pale ales where you know the emphasis is really to keep it nice and, and clean on the fermentation side so that you really let the, the hops and all come through which you know there there is actually an intentional re, um, attempt to get more fermentation impact from from the uh, beer in this one, which it's it's almost counter you know, counterintuitive to me because uh, I tend to be the the clean kind of guy. You know, like, right. I like my fermentation super clean. So when I you know I've only been there since uh, February, it, it's been one of those beers where I kind of had to wrap my head around it a little bit. <laughs> right. So. But it, it's intentionally done that way. So. Okay. Uh, do you have any, you know, thinking of trying to clone this thing as a home brewer, do you have any special advice to, uh, for how you would approach this or tips to reproducing um, this beer? Hmm. You, you've given us tons of detail, so I don't know what more there is, but it, you, you yeah, never know. Think, I think the malt is, is actually a crucial part of this. Obviously, the hops... Um, whole leaf hops really do make a big difference for that end hop back and then also for the dry hopping. Um, I think the, the, some of the more subtle notes from those hops come because they're subtle hops to begin with. I think the whole leaf uh, retains that really well. So if, if it's at all possible to get um, some you know fresh whole leaf um, you know, Fuggle and, and Golding, I would highly recommend that because I think that without that, you end up uh, losing some of those subtleties. Uh, and then the malt side, I'd say it is an all-English malt beer, so it does come across with some of those flavors, which, to be honest with you, can uh, be a bit deceptive. Um, Maris Otter in particular, and I know this really well because we make a, a Maris Otter 100%. Well, it's not 100%. I had to back it down now. Um, but we used to make 100% um, Maris Otter. It's off topic of the IPA, but it is uh, kind of part of it. Um, and Maris Otter has a component to it that smells just like diacetyl. I swear to God, it is just the same thing. And I can prove to you it's not. And it is coming from the malt, and uh, it, because it comes across that way, um, we backed it down because we don't want people thinking that we're actually <laughs> not fermenting our beers well. Right. <laughs> so, That's really interesting. I don't think I've ever heard that. I didn't. I've never. I in all the whole time I was in America, I never experienced that, and I never really had it. And since I've been here. Um, I've seen it and smelled it more times than I, I realized. And then after going back and doing the research on it and then within our own brewery doing the research, it definitely is fool. It can fool you every time. And, and I tend to be sensitive to acetyl, so small amounts of it, and I, it's it's right there for me. And I I almost had a fit like two, two months after I started. And, you know, the guys were sitting at taste panel and, and I go, oh, this is just not good, guys. This this is not, we can't have this, you know? And, uh, and they're like, what, what? I'm like, go get the fermentation records, you know? Right. <laughs> and, and I'm having, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> basically throwing a fit. And uh, and they're like, what? And, we, you know, we go through it. And I'm like, ah, something's wrong. I can't believe this, you know? And, and then, uh, so I repeated it and then did ex- extended diacetyl rest and everything. It still got the character. And I'm like, 
wait a minute, this is everything's gone through micro, it's all fine, I, everything should be right. And then it just dawned on me. It finally hit me over the head, and I was like, oh, it's the mall, you idiot. Wow. <laughs> so I, I learned a valuable lesson. <laughs> well, you've just taught us a valuable lesson, too. I, that, that's really astonishing, really. Well, what's weird, too, is it made me uh, think about some of the beers that I might have ripped apart. Uh, a few years ago <laughs> and from some other brewers that because I thought there were diacetyl bombs and, and I look back on it now and oddly enough I know that they were using Maris Otter and I wonder if I totally was beaten up on some 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 guy's fears that I shouldn't have I, I, I misunderstood it so right. it's, it was my bad <laughs> so okay great you, this has been a, a great interview for this beer I really appreciate it Steve yeah, no problem. Details just been uh, wonderful. So hopefully the guys will have enough to go with to try to clone this. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, and, uh, it must be difficult for you guys to even get a fresh bottle of it over there. Is my guess too, though. Yeah, we we had some discussion about that recently on one of the shows about a Fuller's beer, and uh, that that's definitely a problem here. Getting a fresh sample is is very difficult. Yeah, and you know one of the weird things about this beer too, and, and actually uh, this is kind of a part of it. Um, another part of this beer is obviously we we try to avoid oxygen in it, but we do use those corks and all that on the bottles, and there is definitely oxygen pickup along the way, and you do get an oxid you know oxidation kind of. A, aroma in this beer definitely as it ages right and i had a big discussion with with alistair about that and and uh once again i i you know i was being the perfectionist and i was like well I, that's on you know we can't have that we really i don't like that and and he goes yeah but he goes what do you think the beers were like the real ones and i'm like well i'm sure they probably were horribly oxidized and he's yeah. like well, he's like, well, a little bit of oxidation character actually would be somewhat accurate. And I'm like, wow, I mean, I'm like, <laughs> you really want to take this to, to an extreme, don't you? You know, so even though we do everything to, to reduce it, there is some, especially with that packaging. And it, um, if you age the beer more than I would say, it holds up pretty good for about the first six months. And then after six months, it starts to get more of that oxidative character to it and unfortunately with the english hops it starts to bring all of the alcohol and esters forward on it it's not necessarily bad and in a way ali kind of likes that happening he's he's funny about that because he's always like well it would have been at least six months getting down to being served you know so he's like that that isn't really a bad thing he's like it's just you kind of have to look at it with different eyes and um it, it's 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 strange for me to, to <laughs> it's almost like anti everything I've tried to work so hard to <laughs> to do in some ways. <laughs> so um, yeah, it, it's a, it's an interesting beer. <laughs> okay, great. Well, thanks again for your time, Steve. I really appreciate it. Yeah, sure, no problem. From the stovetop to a camp burner to some kind of brew stand, most homebrewers follow some version of this progression. With each move, a homebrewer will often have to change a lot, if not all, of their equipment. Until now, Blickman Engineering brings you the top-tier brewing stand, the only brewing stand that grows with you. 
For example, buy a top-tier floor-standing burner now, and it'll bolt right to your top-tier brewing stand when you're ready for all-grain brewing. The top-tier brewing stand is perfect for 5-gallon to 20-gallon batch sizes. Its modular design is adjustable and accommodates everything from small footprint coolers up to 30-gallon pots. How does the top-tier brewing stand do it? At its core is a strong, heat-treated, and anodized aluminum main post. On all four sides are built-in T-slots for the adjustable heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves and beefy burner tiers. The tiers accommodate any manufacturer's pots or coolers up to 21 inches in diameter. Best of all, not only does the top-tier brewing stand grow with your skills and equipment, but it easily knocks down for long-term storage or transport, too. The top-tier brewing stand from Blickman Engineering. Learn more at BlickmanEngineering.com and to find a local Blickman retailer and start brewing from the top tier. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmaster's database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmaster's Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmasters Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BN Army in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Double Secret Probation IPA, are the perfect accent to riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the Beer of the Month, special rotating taps, and the BN Army Member Special. Wear your BN gear, get 10% off your beer. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. Since 1921, Mundins has been a provider of quality malted grain and extract. What did he just say? That's 90 years of locally sourced grain for home brewers and professional brewers alike. All farm within 50 miles of our malt houses. What? I can't understand what this is. the last part. Whole and crushed malts, including wheat and peated malt, liquid extract, hopped and unhopped, as well as dried malt extract. Everything from beginner home brewer kits to all the ingredients an infant's home brewer needs. Something about trains? What? Language is this guy speaking? He's from Austria. <laughs> Mundins is proudly serving brewers in 54 countries and honored to be a leader in mowing. Can you understand this guy? No. <laughs> That's a really free language. Ah! Art from Mundins Malt and Malt Extract at your local home brew shop. Mundins. For brewing, distilling, and baking. Quality malted grain and extract for 90 years. Make your malt Mundins. Live. Beer Radio. The Brewing Network. The Brewcast.
podcasters. If you're just starting, don't be discouraged by all this stuff. It's exactly. so easy. Just throw it yeah. together. Dude. Put some yeah, sugar and some water and some yeast in there. Yeah. Network. <laughs> now back to the challenge. Can you brew it? All right, we're back. Meantime IPA, and this was Justin's challenge. So he um, uh, went ahead and brewed the uh, Meantime IPA recipe, and the problem was you were trying to do the brewing while Brewing TV was here, and you had like 40 people over, and it was just... just, I personally, any, any situation like that, I avoid it like the plague. Like when we went out to the Milwaukee store for Northern Brewer to, for the grand opening, what was it I told them? I said, I will not brew. They're like, well, we'll have this brew session and Blickman's going to brew. And then maybe we thought you could brew. I'm like, no. And they're like, uh, what? <laughs> no, I won't brew. Right. I won't brew because there's people walking around. They're talking to you. They ask questions. They want to do this. They want to do that. They want pictures or autographs or whatever. And you, you're just not going to have the focus you need to, to be able to brew. And that's that's the problem I have with that. I will not – I'll brew with other folks, but don't ask – don't expect anything from me. You know, I, I'll – or I'd rather just hang out while other people brew and I'll watch them and chat and, right. and be annoying. But if I'm brewing for serious, I, I brew by myself. I well, don't want anybody around. And I think that that – you know, biggest takeaway – for me in, in this show is you know, I think people have to decide what either what kind of brewer they are or what kind of brewing they want to do mm-hmm. on that p- particular day. I think I am more of a social brewer. I like when Chad's out there and we brew together and, and I like having some... I mean, Chad you brews know. and you watch. <laughs> yeah. But, I, you know, I guess what I mean is um, I think I just... You know, the last few brews that we've talked about in the last couple of years that I've done on here where I've really focused on the numbers and really tried mm-hmm. to get it all right... In thinking, great. in thinking back about it, I really didn't enjoy myself brewing all that much. <laughs> it's not the kind right. of brewing that I enjoy doing. Yeah. I think that on this... Basically, I had a brew day to do with brewing TV. Mm-hmm. And what I thought was, well, why don't I kill two birds with one stone and we'll do a candy <laughs> brew it episode while I'm at it. Right. And, you know, really, I would have enjoyed that brew day more if I just took the pale ale recipe out of your candy brew it book, right. or uh, your classic styles right. book. If you weren't just, so worried about trying fuck, to yeah. perfect uh, yeah. the candy brew it. But, but that's what kind of brewer I am, and that's what I like about the hobby, is is more of a, I'm not a candy brew it brewer, where yeah. you really have, if you want to clone these beers, right. you really do yeah. need to be the kind of brewer that enjoys that, and right. enjoys right. really paying attention like that. And I'm not well, knocking it. I'm just saying it's not my gig. But see, I, and I, I'm not even sure it's that. I think um, the problem is, I mean, I was sticking stuff in the kettle. Right. <laughs> I mean, other people sticking stuff in the kettle. People are like, you right. know, changing your the weights of your hops and it's all true. sorts of stuff. I mean, it was it was yeah. just a, a madhouse. It was a party. That that's the yeah. other half of it. Right. Is more generally on this specific brew. Yeah, it was a party. I was trying to hang out and do some brewing TV stuff, and and also I hadn't seen my friend Jake and 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 uh, uh, Dawson in a while, and trying to hang out with them, and also trying to you know run over and look at my brewing software and see what I'm supposed to do next the whole time. And let's face it, you you, you just can't do that. And it's, I certainly can't do it. Because, yeah, yeah. Anytime you know. I've ever done a demo brew, I just throw the word away. I, 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 I like, <laughs> like I've done it out and uh, I like I mash for like two hours, just talk to people. I, don't, I mean, <laughs> right. Oh yeah, here's the right. mash. Yeah, look, it's recirculating. You know, let's go on and on. 
you know, I don't even know why I boil it because I was just going to throw it away. Well, I, I did that. I, I didn't even. I don't know when I started or finished my mash. Yeah. I estimated. Right, right, right. You know. Yeah, it's just hard to to pay attention and uh, just like a commercial brewery, you, you know. The guys that brew every day as well have to have focus. Like I've been there when they're brewing, you have to mm-hmm. kind of let them do their thing. They're they're doing things in a in a sequence because they have to, you know, they've got it memorized. They don't go to a checklist, nor do we. Right. But if you get all these distractions, you really need a checklist. Right. Yeah. Now I'm afraid that this is going to sound like we're just we're making excuses for me. We haven't talked about the, the beer yet. I don't want it to sound like that. Here here's what I just right. wanted to say about the episode is. I realized after the brew that I had very little information to share. I hadn't even tried the beer yet. I just realized that I barely wrote down the numbers. I barely put put them back into my software. And I had very little information to share. And I was concerned. I ended up talking to Jamil and Tasty. I said, I'm concerned that we're going to get to the show and you're going to say, well, what what happened here? And I'm just going to have no answers for you. I'm going to say, I don't know all show long. So it's more to the point than we're making excuses for me is actually that – I didn't take a lot of notes or pay a whole lot of attention. I was hanging out with a bunch of people. And so this recipe might very well be the perfect recipe for this beer. Mm-hmm. We'll see if I cloned it here. Right. But I don't have a whole lot of info. I have my OG and my FG. <laughs> that's about where it stops. <laughs> well, that's fine. That's fine. I, and let's let's go to uh, – let's start with one of our most uh, august uh, uh, knowledgeable – Certified uh, beer judges here, uh, Andy Wood. Uh, your your take on this beer? Well, it's an English IPA. Yes, <laughs> clone, not clone. Let's let's kind of focus our attention that way. Okay. Well, I in the labeling system that we have, um, the the penis, mm-hmm. the breasts, and the the square or the triangle. Um, <laughs> I'm not familiar with with the triangle. Yeah, there are there are two yeah. homebrew versions, and w- and one is the commercial version oh, yeah. for the folks okay. at home. And my assumption is that the the one with the breasts is the actual is the meantime IPA. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. what I get from that is, you know, it's a it's a little bit oxidized. Um, you know, it represents what we get over here when it you know makes its way across the ocean in a container. Um, but you can kind of get beyond that and kind of get a feel for what the beer is, and it, it's it's very. You know, Maris Otter base, you know, traditional, uh, I'm not sure what kind of hops, um, if it's, uh, actually, I'm not sure what the hops are in this one from smelling it, but, um, but it's, it, to me, it, it comes across as a traditional kind of English IPA. <clears throat> um, and so the, the two attempts at the clone, one is a little bit more yeast, um, has some yeast things going on, a little bit of banana. Um, the other one. What? And the other one uh, is is a little bit closer. Um, the carbonation was was cloned, so there's that. <laughs> Carbonated it this morning. Sure, cloned. <laughs> nice. That's a good amount of shaking. Do that again next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do have my uh, force carbonating down. I'll admit that. Good job. But I think that the uh, the the attempt is a little bit is a little bit more malty, and there's not as much of a hop uh, sharp hop uh, bitterness, and, and I'm not really getting a whole lot of the. Um, I don't know. The clarity is different. There's a little bit more yeast derived kind of anomalies to it. So I'm I'm gonna say with the with the the samples that we have here that it's it's not cloned okay. at this point. So not cloned. Whatever. You don't know uh, well, let's, let's kind of go around the Sorry. room. Uh, Kim Wood hmm. from a uh, can I more pass? more knowledgeable brewer. <laughs> <I> can't pass. <laughs> oh, you can just say cloned or not cloned. Um, 
Justin, you look really good today. All right, I like sandwich. your hair. Like, oh, your posture's wonderful. Not wearing cloning. a hat and I'm slouching. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. So not, not clone. Not clone. <laughs> okay. yeah. All right. I'm sorry. There's some interesting tasting? esters. Mm-hmm. Tasting. Oh, I was tasting. Uh, yeah, I've been focusing on the the penis and the and the breast. Breast being mm-hmm. the, of course, the yeah, the I, real beer. Your your the. I just get well. I got my majority. My of thumb your is on the breast. My, I'm careful not to touch the penis because right. it's certainly not mine. And uh, so <laughs> so what? So, so my problem is that uh, uh, the the, uh, the homebrewed version is is really pretty yeasty. So I'm I'm having trouble getting mm-hmm, getting mm-hmm. to the flavor in the beer. It's uh, right. it's masking it quite a bit. I, the beer might be in there, but I just can't get to it, kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so the cloudiness is an issue. Um, so really, I, I I'm going to say not clone, but just you know due to lack of evidence. Okay. Yeah. A lack of evidence. Yes. And uh, Chad, your your take on this? Um, kind of in the same boat as Tasty. It's kind of a mental exercise to kind of get through the smell and try to taste the beer mm-hmm. in the um, the penis version. Um, but yeah, I don't have too much to add other than it's uh, yeah probably not cloned um, for that reason. Just uh, probably a little too much yeastiness mm-hmm. or uh, mm-hmm. you know phenols going on there. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, I've, I've got a lot of similar comments. Um, I think the the ones that are closest is the uh, the Wiener beer and the uh, and the Booby beer, and uh, I I think it's not that far off. Actually, I think that uh, yeah, it is a yeast thing. Like Tasty's saying, it's the yeast is kind of masking some of that hop character and that that uh, the esters and things like that, and it's. It's giving it kind of a you know a little bit of a heaviness there, but I actually think it's still pretty darn close. The beer's under there somewhere, and I think that if you let the I would well, here's what I would do: I would not do anything with this beer. I'd go ahead and just leave it um, in the keg, maybe warm for a few days, a few more days, and then um, you know put it in the put it in the fridge and let it sit for a couple of weeks. And then just taste it again against the meantime, and uh, I bet you it's a lot closer. But in keeping with my tradition of uh, saying Justin's beers are always cloned, I call that clone. Good job, Justin. It's almost unanimous. Wait, well, I'm sorry. I, I believe this is cloned. It's. Um, I think it's actually it's very close. I I don't think I would change anything other than. Um, you know, maybe something with fermentation a little bit where I think it's taking a little longer on fermentation than it would have, or there's something with the yeast uh, not dropping out of suspension. So something along, along those lines. And I think if you gave it time to do that, I say it's it's cloned. So I would not change anything. Our time or some, uh, you know, I'll go to northernbrewery.com and order uh, get some gelatin. That would really help this beer. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good good point. I agree with uh, Jamil. There it's, you go. it's cloned. Cloned, see? Based on that uh, analysis. You've just switched <laughs> yeah. back. Yeah, I don't know what to say before, but yeah, right. it's cloned. We'll say, well, good job. Right. 20 bucks to Andy. Yeah. <laughs> and you. the rest of you, and I have a come on. <laughs> uh, Justin, what's your take on it? Uh, well, first, luckily, I, I do have some good uh, notes about why the yeastiness might be there, so we can talk about that later in the process. Um I definitely think not cloned. There's a real fruity and banana and estery thing happening with my version. My version is the wiener version. Um, boobies being the commercial, just like you guys all guessed. And 
Yeah, I feel like I fermented it properly. We'll talk about my yeast pitch and stuff later. So I'm surprised that that was the problem. I thought the problem was more going to be just on brew day and how I uh, wasn't even sure I got the hops right and things like that. Turns out the the problem seems to be more on that fermentation side, which I thought I nailed, actually. I thought I did that right. So we can talk about that. I don't think it's cloned. Um, and I guess we'll get to why later. So I'm definitely saying not clone. I'm not happy. These are the worst beers I've ever brewed. I don't. I'm not enjoying them at all. Yeah. I don't know if they're the worst so. beers you've ever brewed, but yeah, I, I consider them cloned. So there. And Andy, <laughs> sticks, it sticks with me. Right. I'm right there with you. Yeah, right. All right. Well, let's take a short break. And when we come back, we will... Um, Go over the recipe and uh, uh, a little bit of uh, Justin's Brew Day. Back after this. Networks and ninjas of the Brutane clan. This is Chip Walton with Brewing TV. As we all know, Jamil is getting his professional brew on soon at Heretic Brewing Company. When it comes to beer styles, he's not just jumping over the fence. He's tearing that fence down. Ain't no brewing classic styles here. Get a taste of what Jamil's working on in our newest episode of Brewing TV. Online now at BrewingTV.com. Where were we? You stole an oak barrel from the mist of Ravenwood and Lord Zinfandel the Avenger is in pursuit. Do you drop the barrel and run? Hell no. We need it for our Flanders Red. I'm going to cast Pediacacus Damnesis on the barrel. Sorry, your ghosts are imprisoned in his winery forever. I hate it when Greg's the brewmaster. This sucks. What do we have here? Orville Rodenbach? Buzz off, guy. We got a brew session going. Is that an actual beer? Yeah, I crafted it. I don't really use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Do you get a long-lasting foam stand when you think about wheat malt? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Northern Brewer has all your beer nerd needs, ingredients, equipment, and knowledge at northernbrewer.com. Plus, fast, cheap shipping, only $7.99 for the contiguous USA. And check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the pre-prohibition lager. Perfect for steampunk. And the single hop best bitter. Now on cast and 10 forward. Make 10th level at northernbrewer.com When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Nico, listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the next meeting. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. 
That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Heller High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew Free or Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams Malt Extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Jamel Zanishev here for the Brewing Network, reminding you the AHA is giving away three full conference passes to the NHC in San Diego in 2011. All you need to do be an AHA member. You can sign up through thebrewingnetwork.com. Just click on that big AHA logo there and sign up. You also need to be a BN donor. Click on that Donate Now button and you too can be in on this NHC giveaway. Three full conference passes. There's one for the Sunday session, one for the Brewing Network's Can You Brew It? and one for Brew Strong. So uh, all you need to do, again, be an AHA member, Donate to the Brewing Network, and you too are in the running for a full conference pass for the San Diego NHC. Sign up today. Hey, what's your feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. Woo! It's the Brewing Network. And now, suck it, Tasty. All right. Wow, look at that. Can's working the working the timer for me. It showed all the numbers. I don't know. I, I, I can't use it. It's too complicated. That's so if the show goes really long or really short, I have no idea. It's I'm sorry. I forgot my timer today. Okay. Yeah, well. And to make it up to you, fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? <laughs> yeah. Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only, and you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. (laughs) All right. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs featuring the woods. For a little uh-huh. inspiration, plus a free extra gift. So essential, we can't mention it on the radio. Shh. <laughs> the woods know what it is. Yeah. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So mm-hmm. check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type. C-Y-B-I. That stands for Can You Brew It? For the offer code upon checkout. Uh, when you do, 
you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just offer, use offer code CYBI oh, at yeah. adamandeve.com. Not bad. Not bad. Not the chat room's bad. asking for Kim back, but not bad. I think <laughs> yeah. it was a good effort. <laughs> F you in the chat. Daisy, if you want some lessons about how to read those, just let me know. Yeah. Take a shirt off. You and I will have a little afternoon together. A little time together? A little afternoon delight? Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, was wondering, uh, I was wondering, Jay-Z, what, what's our typical batch size for these recipes? you have a comment on that? What, what's our batch size? Sex? Non-sequitur? Sex. Is it 6.9 gallons? <laughs> no, it's always six gallons. It's amazing. Oh. Six gallons six or six, six gallons? inches? Oh. Uh... <laughs> Six gallons. Oh, oh. I think he's trying to segue us into the recipe. Yes. Very, very Smart. smooth. Tasty is very smooth. Uh, six gallons at the end of the boil. Uh, 1069 is the anticipated OG. That's about 16.72 Play-Doh. Uh, SRM, 6.3. IBU, about 30. Uh, this is with a 70% efficiency and a 75-minute boil time. Is this still in your Adam and Eve voice? <laughs> oh yeah, I think it's a sexier than your Adam. <laughs> and actually, I sound like Sulu on uh, Star Trek. Oh yeah, <laughs> George Takai, Kirk. Oh my, yeah, George Takai. Oh my, for AdamandEve.com. <laughs> oh my, I think he's mostly for Adam and Adam. Yeah. That sounds kinky. <laughs> AdamandSteve.com. George Takai here. Eighty-four uh, percent. <laughs> <laughs> it's the woods. It's yeah. the fault of the woods being here. Yeah. It's caused us to go off the rails. Sorry. 5.66 <laughs> kilograms of British pale ale malt, 9% or uh, 0.61 kilograms of Munich malt, uh, 1% or 70 grams of crystal 20, and 6% or uh, 400 grams of uh, simple sugar, cane sugar, table sugar, whatever you have. Uh, hops, 20 grams Fuggle at uh, 4.7% alpha acid, first word hop, uh, 18.4 grams of Goldings, uh, 5.1 alpha, first word hop, and then uh, 31.8 grams of Fuggles at 5 minutes, 29.5 Goldings at 5 minutes, and 21.6 Fuggle at 0, and 21.6 uh, Goldings at 0. Uh, yeast is uh, Danstar Nottingham. Uh, let's see. Mash is uh, 144 degrees Fahrenheit rest for 30 minutes, 171 Fahrenheit for 5 minutes. And uh, that is the uh, the mash out there. And we've got uh, in the notes, uh, Whirlpool and 5-minute additions. Um, you might want to move them back 20 minutes if you're not doing the uh, hot Whirlpool. So that's why, uh, you know, we do uh, a longer time if you're not doing the hot whirlpool. Uh, Taste, you've done hot whirlpool and you've done yeah. earlier boil times. Right. What's your consideration on both those? Which which should people select between the two options? Well, it depends on their regimen. Uh, I actually prefer the, the extended whirlpool because uh, mm-hmm. we're basically that's what they're doing in the in the breweries uh, anyway. Uh, so I would say we'd have a better chance. But I think our calculations that we're using in terms of the Right. IBU contribution moving those back. I think that's We've pretty good. We're getting really, really close. Yeah, we're yeah. getting really good. So. I haven't seen a problem. Yeah. Yeah. All right, they ferment at 72 degrees Fahrenheit. I'd go with 68 uh, on a small fermenter. Final gravity is, I guess, three Play Doh. Um, and then listen to the, my notes here to Justin. Listen to the audio for gypsum and calcium chloride additions. Mm. 
I think they are 23 grams of each for six gallons, gallons, but not sure due to audio issues. They use Nottingham yeast. Maybe go with dry yeast, which is likely similar to what they're using. Hmm. So that was that was all the detailed notes I had. So what was the fermentation issue you said you ran into? Well, I don't know. That's why I'm surprised that that's the problem. That, to me, the issue is just how it tastes. Right. right. But I fermented at 68. Uh, right, I have right. a new uh, uh, More Beer Ultimate Conical here that uh, we borrowed from a friend. Um, I transferred through my um, Blickman Therminator, so I got it cooled right down. I did the hot whirlpool, like you guys mm-hmm. were just talking about, cooled it right down right. Uh, into the fermenter. I was able to get it down to 68 and pitch that night. Right. So I, you know, a lot of times I wait overnight, and you've you've talked to me about that before. Right. I was able to pitch that night at sixty eight. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what happened. I kept it right there at sixty eight until it it the. So at the end of fermentation, at the end of of one week of fermentation, I racked off half of the batch. Mm-hmm. That's that super cloudy banana right. yeasty right. Uh, vagina version. <laughs> I left the other half in the conical and ramped it up to 72 mm-hmm. on, on, also on your recommendation, Jay-Z, because you, you and I watched it bubble in a little bit, right. and we thought, well, that's not done. That helped a lot. It did get better. Yeah. Um, so it, was, it stayed at 72 for another week, mm-hmm. the batch that we ended up saying was the closer one. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what I did wrong with fermentation. I did want to talk to you about the, the starter. Right. So I've never used dry yeast before. Mm-hmm. And I know that you're supposed to rehydrate mm-hmm. dry yeast. Mm-hmm. But I assumed that putting dry yeast into a yeast starter was rehydrating it. Mm-hmm. And well, that, is that not correct? Right. You know, when you rehydrate the yeast, you want to use the temperature that the manufacturer specifies. And you want to use, uh, you know, water. Uh, water with minerals in it. Or you can use the... Um, what is it? Go firm for rehydrating yeast, and um, because if you use something with uh, the sugars in it, it there's a rush of uh, you know stuff across the membrane. Well, the membrane isn't fully rehydrated to protect the cell. Mm. You know, stuff goes across the membrane easier. It can't defend itself. It can't regulate the the transition across the membrane and it'll end up killing about half the yeast mm. i bet you you know with the starter word your lower gravity if you had pitched this yeast right into you know a uh, 1069 starting gravity you would have you know probably lost you know more than half the yeast okay wow um you know by putting it into the starter where you probably did better best would have been to first rehydrate it in um you know some water of the right temperature temperature tends to be around 100 degrees tends to be the right temperature and certain volume uh it's in the yeast book if you want to look it up but um and I gave you a copy of that too, and that's in there, and it tells you. Yeah, but that requires reading. Oh, there you go. That's, I did use the, the Mr. Multi iPhone app pitching rate <laughs> right. calculator. Oh, you paid five bucks. I did. Nice. Uh, because it did not require reading. I'm <laughs> right. willing to pay any amount of money <laughs> to keep to read, from, yeah to avoid it. But uh, you know, so I, I think that's you know one of the things. So you probably had less um, you know surviving yeast because of that, and maybe. You know, you had some dead cells that were contributing a little bit to the flavor there. So those are those are the kind of things. But other than that, I think um, you did everything right. And I think, right. um, you know, I, I really don't think it's that far off. 
Well, also, you know, Chad in subtle ways always tries to sabotage my brew days. I don't know if you've noticed this. <laughs> right. But right. He, he took all, we have a hundred stir bars in this house. He took them all and hit somewhere. They all ended up somewhere else. Uh-huh. So I had to come out. I had to wake up every hour. Just making a little stir bar and robot. Shake my, my starter. <laughs> Chad just sitting in the corner laughing at me. That's commitment yeah. to that beer. <laughs> Uh, no. So did you just put it? Did you put it in there and automatically stir it up and shake it up, or did you do it like a lot of times they say, just pour it in there, let it sit on the top? Oh, the yeast. Yeah. I so I made my starter wort, right. um, and I just threw it all in. I threw, uh, I guess, one packet. Maybe it was two packets. I forget now. Um, and sh- did you shake it up? Right. I think Mister Malty asked me for one packet, if I remember right. And then yeah, I just shook it up. It got going real quickly, and fermentation started quickly, too. I pitched it maybe 11 o'clock on the mm-hmm. night, and when I woke up at 9 a.m. or so the next morning, it was going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not as if – I mean, there still may have not have been the right amount of yeast cells, mm-hmm. but it was it was fermenting. So anyhow, so it seems like maybe I did at least close enough to write. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think it's that far off, and I think you know, that yeast that's in suspension, if it – if it can finish a little bit more sugars and then drop out and, right. and drop clear, I think you're you're right there. So here's another just couple of I things. I don't think then. you need to rebrew it. I think save that keg. Just save it, yeah. And let's let's try it again. Yeah. Uh, you know, later on for another show. Do you think it needs to add more yeast to it for all to compensate for all the dead cells? Yeah, I don't know. Um, well, it finished. And, like, I mean, some gelatin. No. Oh. The one thing I did get right. So it's supposed to be up at ten sixty nine. My starting was ten sixty eight. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to get down to ten twelve. Is it? And I got down right. to ten eleven. Right. Oh. Um, so I'm real close there. Yeah, I think it just needs to drop clear. Yeah, I mean, you might uh, get Chad or Tasty to filter it. Yeah. Okay. Well, and here's another very simple thing that I should have done and didn't do that everybody knows to do. I, again, busy on the brew day, forgot all about it. I didn't even put Werflock in this beer. The right, simplest yeah. thing you can do to get things to drop out of a beer. That's, that's, I didn't put the tabs in the in the, in the boil. That's the biggest problem, uh, you know, with people hanging around and you know talking. And I, I mean, I was stuck, sticking things in the kettle, and I was, yeah. you know, <laughs> everybody had a, had their fingers in the pie type of thing. It's like, ah, oh, it's never going to work out. Yeah. So even that simple thing, nothing dropped out. And then, you know, maybe this beer would have lent to doing, uh, you know, transferring from my, my fermenter mm-hmm. and letting it chill out for a while, right? Well, yeah. I didn't even crash it in that. I don't know why. The fermenter does it so easily, that more beer uh, mm-hmm. conical. But I didn't crash it. I just transferred. Mm-hmm. So a lot of yeast was still in, in suspension when mm-hmm. I came out of primary. And then it's been in the fridge for uh, one of them for a week or so, the other one just overnight. Right. And then so. any settling you, you had, you lost by... You when know, I shook it this morning it. to but carbonate. So. I would just, you know, I think I would just put it in the fridge and let it, let it settle out for a few weeks or, you know, filter it and then let it settle. And I bet you you'd be right there. All right, it, it well, does we'll make a difference. It. Yeah, just think of my own regimen. Like, the, like right. most of the time when I do the beers here, they're like 14, 15 days old. So I have, you know, I've intentionally I got it out of the fermenter like uh, on day twelve, so I have two days to get it clear. You know, you you didn't take you, if you'd have done some of those things, which sure. I'm not saying everybody can do because it does take a lot a lot of work and commitment. Uh, I'm not saying you're lacking that. I'm just saying. Well, you really I just got gave up on it. I'll be yeah, honest you with you. I felt interest, the brew yeah. day went so bad that I said, "Well, fuck it. I'm just going to put this in a keg and we'll try it." Well, live and learn. Yeah. I mean, Jamil's made this point before. Is it really 
the brew day is just making wort. The really things happen in the ferment, mm-hmm. so that's when you get a chance to, yeah. to really make the beer do something. And I'm wondering if you added two packets of dry yeast, if you didn't make a starter and you just poured it directly onto the wort, um, keeping in mind that you lose half of the viable yeast. Yeah, would that make a difference? Because it seems like with that dry yeast, if well, you, you overpitch, you get that. It might compensate. You get that funky, you know, dead yeast flavor. You know, from something like that, like an autolysis, like yeah. meat flavor. Is that? Yeah, yeah. That's. Oh, never mind. So yeah, it's always oh, you know. And the the funny thing is, if you go to yeah. the yeast manufacturer's site and they tell homebrewers, yeah, just sprinkle it on top. Well, if you go look at the professional instructions, they're like, well, you must rehydrate, and here's how to rehydrate. So for professional brewers, it's important to rehydrate. But for you home brewers, oh no, just scatter <laughs> it on there. Doesn't matter because you don't know what you're doing or something. I don't know what That's they're not what, important. What the heck maybe, is yeah. up with that? Yeah, just they home brew. They think we're not capable or something. Right, yeah, we care that it be right, and it's right. hard to find their rehydration instructions online. Almost, yeah. Just look in the professional section. It's right. all there. Right. That's where you find it. Yeah. It's like a hundred degree mm-hmm. Fahrenheit water that's right, been right. boiled and cooled and fifteen and minutes, bringing and, it back down to the temperature of your work too. Mm-hmm. And letting yeah. it sit on there and start right. and then stir it up a couple times. It's, you know, it's real simple and you can just microwave the water, you mm-hmm. know, with some, some wrap over it and then, you know, just let it cool down and you sprinkle the, the, the yeast on there. Just let it sit and it, you know, foams up. It, it f- dissolves into the, into the liquid and then foams up and you're all ready to go. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, much, much easier and, um, well, I, I think it's. Success. I'm surprised because the one the the thing I thought I messed up the most was I thought that I had added about half the hops I was supposed to, and either that assessment was a mistake uh, or maybe I did add the right amount of hops because mm-hmm. none of us mentioned that it wasn't no. as hoppy as the commercial no. beer. No, no, no. So maybe I even got that right yeah. uh, and just assumed I got it wrong, and that's one of the reasons I gave up on it because I went back to the program after the brew day. Right, everybody had left. <laughs> and I went and looked. I was going to make some final notes. And I looked at my hop additions and went, I hadn't clicked the button that says, um, you know, keep recipe to batch size mm-hmm. when I when I went from six gallons to 12 gallons because we brew on a... Oh, uh-huh. And so I just, I lost it. I was so upset with myself that I thought, well, here you went through this whole thing and you didn't even add the right amount of hops. Hmm. Maybe I had added the right hops all along and because uh, none of us talked about that. I mean, the hop character seemed to be right so yeah. I, I, to me a couple of lessons are again as you've always said Jamil like like Tasty just reinforced don't give up on the beer uh, mm-hmm. see, the, see it through I got frustrated and gave up on the beer and then the other thing is if you really want to clone a beer you gotta pay close attention and not have a party Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? Or, but you know, I enjoy the party it. more, so I don't know that I'll be no, doing any more candy brew it beers, to be honest. Not I found that it's not my hobby. Like, I don't enjoy brewing that or way. Or don't, don't be... <laughs> if I'm going to go know, have fun, you don't know... Don't be super critical. Because yeah. I think if we weren't being super critical, we'd go, yeah, that's cloned. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, that, that's... Good enough. That's, that's close enough. Yeah. yeah. Right. See, and I'm a good just, enough kind of guy, yeah, if you know. If you're just looking for, you know, a beer like one of these other commercial beers that you really love... Yeah. Then that's fine. I mean, it doesn't have to be, yeah. you know. Make it a party. Just don't exactly, worry about it. Yeah. yeah. But for some people, they want to do it because they want to make sure that they, you know, they've got the process down to where they can actually, you know, clone another beer. Then they feel like, okay, I know how to do this. You know, that's I, I've, I've proved that I can I can do that sort of thing. And I think you've done that before. That's helped but, me. I so, think. Yeah. You know, then it becomes like, well, all right, I don't need to. I don't need to reassure myself with that i can just you know brew what i want so right i think that's you know 
two different kind of takes on it. I think next time I'm just going to eat tasty cookies, pull out a Brewery Classic <laughs> Styles recipe, and have a nice day. Just out enjoy of it. yourself. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> That's what I'll do. Uh, I don't think I have any other notes. I did do the uh, water additions, believe it or not, because oh. that was early in the brew day. Oh, there you so go. So I did the, what was it, gypsum and... Uh, Calcium sulfate? chloride? That seemed really yeah. high for five gallons. 23 grams? It did seem high. That's I did high. call Jay-Z to confirm, too. So here's the interesting thing. I did go back to the interview about that. He's not specific, in, if I remember right, in the interview. He just says, basically, a crap load. Is what he says of both of those things. He says put in a crap load, which everyone knows is twenty three. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah twenty three yeah. is high. About eight yeah. grams would be about uh, a pretty good addition. Yeah. What does your regular Pacheco water have though? Well, I'm Chad. usually adding like for IPAs Cancer. around fourteen grams. <laughs> oh, okay. to a batch. So I thought, okay. yeah, twenty three is high for five gallon. That's for right. ten gallon batches. Fourteen. But the brewer asked for it to be high, so may- so I think we did that right. Yeah, you know, and that might have compensated for some of your lower <laughs> hops. Seriously. <laughs> oh yeah, that's yeah. true. Maybe. Yeah, it made, made your hops might have popped because you had more gypsum in it. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I can't think of anything else from the brew day. Um, oh, oh, here's something just so people can know. Uh, uh, you know, the, the recipe calls for cane sugar, right? Well, I got to the end of the boil and then, of course, looked over on the shelf and saw my cane sugar sitting there. And and luckily, at that point, Jay-Z was still hanging out. And I just said, well, shit, Jamil, now I've done my whole boil, and I didn't add the cane sugar. But it I was doing a hot... with the isomerization as well. You think so? Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I was just happy. To, Jamil was like, well, F it. Throw it in right now. It was still hot. Uh, uh-huh. We did a hot whirlpool. Like I said, then I used the, 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 counterfl- the, the counterflow chiller, the Blickman uh, Therminator. So, it, so in other words, I'm just saying it's fine to add in sugar at flame out, right? Yeah. That, that was no oh, big yeah, deal. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So that was just another note that I learned something that day. Because I wouldn't have put it in. I would have gone, ah, oh, screwed that up, too. I think, in, you know, <laughs> side by side, if you were to, you know, compare, you know, sugar addition at the very beginning, sugar addition at the very end, sugar addition after some of fermentations happened, and you compare those three beers side to side, you could actually taste, you know, slight differences in a, in a triangle test. Okay. But other but, than that. Well, okay. yeah, it's, it's not going to be that big a deal. All right. Well, those are my lessons for today, kids. Good lessons. <laughs> Do we have any uh, questions from the chat? No. Most of what the question seemed to be was about is they were asking about all the yeastiness and just thinking mm-hmm. that was because I carb- I force carbonated this morning. Yeah. And I think that was only part of it. It's, yeah, that would have a little bit, but not as much as I think we're getting. Yeah. So I think, you know, just let it sit. I wouldn't toss that keg. I wouldn't let people drink it. I would hold on to it for a few weeks. Okay. I don't think and I have then, to worry about people drinking well, it. Well, maybe I could do <laughs> well, this. Well, this is the rat pad. Oh, this right. show won't post for a couple weeks anyway. So if you're listening to this show right now, I, I'll do this. I'll record an addendum at the mm-hmm. end. If mm-hmm. it gets mm-hmm. right in two weeks, right. by the right. time this show posts, I'll record an addendum and say, it turns out the recipe's right, it's cloned, everything's good, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so go. if you do not hear an addendum at the end of the show, <laughs> you'll expect a rebrew at some point. How about okay. that? Okay, that sounds good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Great. Okay. Well, another fine, fine, raucous off the tracks show that uh, that's what they've, began, that they've come to expect come I'm to thinking. expect here yeah. at the Brewing Network yes well and uh, if you want the fine raucous off the tracks uh, writing of the Brewing Network uh, crew uh, you can find a lot of that in Brew Your Own magazine just go to uh, thebrewingnetwork.com and if you click on the, the BYO logo there on thebrewingnetwork.com and sign up for BYO, half of your subscription price goes to the Brewing Network. Wow. That's very generous. 
And you're getting a great magazine as well. I write for that every every issue. I do the style profile. Palmer does some stuff. Paxton, a bunch of bunch of great folks writing for that. So uh, check it out. Check it out from thebrewingnetwork.com and help out the Brewing Network as well. Until then, brew strong and often.